thank you, Margaret, very much. I'm, I'm really honored and I'm very touched. Probably you, uh, uh, for sure, uh, over-evaluate me. Uh, but it means that uh, my guys from PR, they really did a good job. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, actually, when I landed in Oxford uh, like two hours ago, I realized something, something amazing. Actually, it was almost uh, 20 years ago. I, I don't remember. It was 1992 or 1993. I came to Oxford at that time for the uh, language training. At that time, I didn't speak uh, any word in English. Uh, when I graduated uh, technical university in 1987, uh, under the communists at the time, so we didn't learn English. Actually, I was very fluent in Russian, but uh, after the transformation, uh, at the beginning, it seemed not to be very helpful. Uh, so and useful, although right now, uh, actually, I'm enjoying being fluent in Russian. But that time, I came here, mm, just a poor guy uh, from the uh, not very wealthy family, as everybody under the communist time, and uh, I really can't realize. I even can't dream at the time that uh, 20 years later I'd be here opening the Polish Modern Study at the Oxford University and uh, giving a speech in English. And uh, actually this is a very great day for me, but also for Poland, because uh, this is the best proof that something happened to Poland at the time. So I believe that last 25 years after the round table in Poland, after the transformation, were for sure the best time in Poland for the last couple of hundred years. And being here, speaking to you, opening this Polish modern study is the best proof for that. So uh, actually I'm very proud of Poland, what we did since then. Because right now, uh, I strongly believe that we are absolutely on the same page as the rest of uh, Western Europe. And actually, we are speaking the same voice, for example, in the Ukraine case. We help them right now to, deed, to do their job. So, this is a very short introduction, but it's a really special moment but not only for me, I think uh, also for other Polish people being here, when we start thinking from this perspective. So a few words about uh, my person was said already, but uh, just to clarify that, yeah. So the fact is that uh, I published three books. Uh, they're also available in English on Amazon. Uh, not very expensive, I advise you. Twenty-nine dollars, as far as I remember, all of them. 
the last one, Business Nature, uh, be published in uh, January, as far as I know. And uh, my speech be actually very much about this, uh, what I wrote in, in this book. And thinking, how could uh, the person who is uh, very much from the Excel world could say to, to people, to audience, who are very much uh, humanists from the world world, how could I present something uh, interesting from the economics topic? Actually, surprisingly, I found it very easy. Uh, why so? Because if we start thinking about the recent uh, economic Nobel Prize, there were three guys awarded this year. Evgeny Farmer, Robert Schiller, Peter Hansen. What is special of, about them? Obviously, every year giving a Nobel Prize is a very special moment. But this year, especially in economics, was really special. Why so? Because once uh, Evgeny Fame was awarded for his story, which proves that uh, every time the value of every asset at the market is properly evaluated by this market. So every price is the right one. And he proved it which means that the price which uh, we could see at the market already uh, reflect to the every information, every trends on the market, everything. And after all, the prices, as we could see. Actually, Robert Schiller and Peter Hansen, they were awarded at the same year for proving that most of the time, the price win is absolutely wrong. <laughs> And uh, actually, Peter Schiller sometimes is called as a king and the father of behavior economics, which means that most of our decision, investment decision we do, is done by emotion, uh, by our intuition. And most of the time we are wrong. And actually, Peter Hansen did a statistic model which proved it. And at the same time, those three guys were awarded from <laughs> uh, economics. How did it happen? <laughs> that sounds ridiculous. Uh, and actually, not really. Because uh, Professor Fain proved that although the price really reflected to the every information and trends, but the problem is that we can't interpret them. And that's why we can't predict the future trend of this price. And then why the most of our decisions are wrong. And now it's very close to these two other guys. Which means, change the slide, which means that uh, there is some link between the rational decision and irrational decision 
in all our investment process, investment decision. Searching how it's possible and how it could happen at the time, we have to go back 20 years ago, 20 years earlier. Actually, that was the time when I started learning English. Uh, in 1992, the Harvard professor, Daniel Goleman, published his a very famous book that I strongly recommend it to, to read, and maybe some of you have heard about this, uh, Emotional Intelligence. And uh, Professor Goleman find out that uh, it's not true that actually we have just one type of the intelligence, IQ intelligence, very well known, uh, which is uh, intelligence uh, describing our talents of uh, analytic way of thinking. But actually there is uh, art intelligence, sport intelligence, musician intelligence, there are so many of them. And uh, actually the most important out of the IQ is EQ intelligence, which is emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence uh, is located in the human brain, in the small part of the brain, which is called amygdala, and which is uh, linked by this serious pipe of neutrons, like, which works like an interface. And what he noticed that uh, people were this interface, in, interface from amygdala part of the brain is broken or doesn't work properly, they almost can't leave. They can't make any decision. They barely could survive in the normal life, still having extremely high IQ result. That was, that was amazing. Uh, later on, about 10 years later, Mr. Yes, please, Daniel Kahneman published a result of his research, uh, which he did together with Amon Tversky, who unfortunately uh, passed away. So in 2002, when Daniel Kahneman was awarded by Nobel Prize for his research, that was only him, but actually research was done by those uh, two scientists. He published the book which called the Fast and Slow Thinking. And what Daniel Kahneman find out was that we as a human are thinking in two completely separated ways. One is a very fast way of thinking where we act emotionally, immediately, without any time for reflection and deeper analysis. And this, the second one, which is called the slow system, or system number two, which is the way where we start to use our IQ. But actually, this uh, slow system, could you 
change. Okay. Uh, the slow system of thinking use uh, much more energy from us. So uh, almost every decision we do during our normal life is decision done by the system number one, of the fast thinking system, uh, which came from our evolution. Uh, because this way of thinking in many times in the past, but also right now, helped us to survive. In the dangerous situation, there are no time to analyze the situation, but immediately we have to make a decision, is it a threat or not? And if it's a threat, either we have to fight or run. There are no time for this slow way of thinking. And also, slow way of thinking uh, consume a lot of our brain energy. That's why, for example, it's so difficult to think about uh, some uh, difficult task where we are practicing something in the gym. It's almost impossible running very, very fast and thinking about something serious because there are not enough energy in our, in our body. But the fast way of thinking, although it works uh, properly and very well in the uh, natural environment, right now seems to be it not be enough in a little bit more complicated world that we created. Uh, because this is uh, this way of using emotional intelligence, when we start to use this system of thinking for the uh, management problem, for the investment decision, we do so many mistakes that uh, it creates a, a lot of problems. What? what kind of mistakes we could do. For example, uh, once we don't uh, know the answer for the problem, we try to find uh, some similar, simpler situation from our past and then we follow the solution we did in the past. When we don't know the answer for the problem, we intentionally follow the group. That's our, that's our behavior. Uh, when we, uh, we are so easy person to be framed. Once we heard the solution or the price, we so willing, even if we not realized, to follow this, this price were advised to us, which is sometimes probably irrational price. But that's how we, how we work. Uh, this, uh, this way of thinking, could you move later? This came of thinking, uh, as I said, is mostly related to uh, some atavism, the way how we as a live uh, creature evaluated. But it makes a, a lot of problems. This is the 
example described by Professor Kahneman. And uh, he did the research a couple of times, he repeated, uh, at a lot of medical doctors' uh, conferences. So he asked them for solving such a problem. Let's say, theoretically, that in some neighborhood, uh, suddenly uh, we uh, have the problem with unknown uh, disease, which we could call Asian disease. It's a very serious, uh, deadly disease. But actually, we have two treatments against it. Treatment A and treatment B. But according to the producers, treatment A, as the producer sa says, could uh, save 200 people, because in this neighborhood there are 600 people, and all of them could die. But if we use treatment A, 200 people could be saved for sure, but 400 people will die for sure. Treatment B, according to producer of treatment B, is saying completely something different. He's saying that uh, we don't know how many people we could save. But according to our research, one third, 33% uh, of people could be uh, with one third probability. So 33% of the probability we could save everybody from this uh, 60, 600 people society. But two-thirds, which is a 67% probability, uh, we have to say that uh, everybody will die. So which kind of treatment do you prefer to choose? And the medical doctors, more than 90% of them, decided to choose a treatment B, which is ridiculous because it's exactly the same. Uh, so the question is why they did this decision. Also, it's related to the way how we think because uh, based on the evolution, we prefer not to lose than to win. So if we use treatment A, for sure immediately we decided that, two, that 400 people will die. So we don't want to lose for sure. Maybe, maybe we, we win. Uh, could we go further? So this is, this is the example of how we, how we think. And it's, it's amazing because if so many decisions are done in this way, and if so many decisions might be wrong, 
So it means that we have a serious problem because it's not only about the business, but it's also about the regulators, politicians, and the people who are ruling the countries. But unfortunately, this is the fact. And for this pint of, part of this research, for last almost 20 years, more than 50% of Nobel Prize awarded actually was related to, to this kind of topics. But, and it's called the behavior economics. But the lack of behavior economic is that almost everything what was written about that was reflected to the single investment decision, just one person. So we have the level of the single investor. On the other hand, we have the companies and we have the whole markets, industry. Once uh, industry uh, investment theory, investment uh, system uh, was uh, linked to Darwin uh, evolution theory for last 50 years, as far as I remember, once a liberal school of economics was created in Chicago by uh, Hayek, Friedman, and other guys, they always proved that uh, there are exactly the same principles, exactly the same rules, which works in the life environment, uh, picking up the best fitness for the environment. It works exactly the same in the economy, so which is nothing new. Right now, the latest research uh, show and prove that it's exactly the same and this single human uh, example, but it's still a big gap between the investor and the whole market. What is in the gap? The companies. So the question is, what happened to the, to the companies? And uh, actually, I believe that the companies are following exactly the same principles. And this is uh, the part of the, of the book will be just published. How to, um, how to run a future research uh, about the companies in this, in this context. So uh, if we see this uh, simple diagram, here we have uh, how it works in the companies, we have a normal uh, no rebel theory of economics. We do everything rational, market is always right, market is rational, but based on our sentiments, based on the, our emotion, we do some decision. Sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong. Uh, later on, we switch on our analysis, try to analyze the result of this decision. 
if it's okay, it's fine. If not, again, change. We switch uh, our IQ. Then we adjust it again by our EQ, by our emotion. And then we go to this behavior economics. Other words, we could uh, show it in this way, that uh, doing rational decision and using our IQ, we could predict every time where this ball be. It'd be for sure in the lowest point because of the gravity. But the problem is that uh, in most cases, we not realize that this ball is a part of the bigger scheme. It's a part of the platform. The platform is moving. It's accelerating, it's slowing down, it's stopping, going back, going forward, and obviously it impacts very much uh, the ball. So the ball is in completely different place where we could expect it. This is a more or less the dilemma right now in, uh, in the economy. Where is the ball? <laughs> because uh, all uh, economists are uh, using the Excel, the counting, counting, you know, the ball should be here. No, but the ball is here. <laughs> okay, here, so it takes us some time. We could use this Newton law, so it takes some time to be here. But in the meantime, platform going forward, so the ball is here. Uh, I could say that uh, right now we face a very similar situation like a uh, uh, scientist uh, uh, being in the beginning of 20th centuries when they realized that Newton theory uh, didn't work anymore as far as the highest speed are concerned. And it's exactly the same in this case. When the platform was moving slowly, the ball was always here. Right now, the platform is moving in unpredictable direction. So it's almost impossible to predict where is the ball. And now, it's actually, uh, it means that we have even more than any time before in business in our decision investment, to use our emotions, to use our intuition, because it's almost impossible to predict and count where is the ball. Okay. The company, as I said, uh, in my opinion, follow exactly the same uh, low and the same laws, the same principles like a single investor, like a market, and speaking uh, bigger like uh, live animals in the live environment following uh, Darwin evolution theory. But if so, it raised the question, how is it happened in real? How those companies are changed? How this evolution theory in practice works in the company? 
case. I think all of us, we heard uh, so many times uh, a very common saying about DNA of the company. The company has to change his DNA, or this company has a very strong DNA. But in most cases, uh, it's used like very much to this in the context of the culture of the company. Nobody really think about the real DNA. But what if we try to create the real model of DNA with the real chains of DNA, very similar to DNA? And this is actually a tension of, of this uh, DNA model. Once a single investor, we, use all the time IQ and uh, EQ. So I believe this is exactly the same the company. All companies consist from the intelligence, uh, from the IQ and from the emotion intelligence. And uh, if we try to describe in this way that this is logical and analytical, intelligence of the company, which is all the hard data uh, of the company, which the company has. It's not necessarily my, must be the company. It could be as well Oxford, right here, any organization. So we have here this all knowledge in this company, in this uh, university, all uh, books, all properties, all financials, all the rules, everything which could be described and written. But this, obviously, it's not everything. It's very common saying that uh, the most important in every organization are people. In this case, fellows, professors, doctors. And that'd be the second chain which I called in the company emotional intelligence. This is a whole set of people working or somehow related to the organization, to the companies. And then only the combination of two chains finally gives the proper picture of the company. And uh, inside the chain, chain, both of them, we have some genes which could be financial, strategy, technology, IT, marketing, whatever you want. But also, every people related to the, to the organization, to the company, to this, in this case, to, to Oxford University. Obviously, picking up one gene and putting different one in place of this completely, might completely change the organization especially if they be the dean uh, or CEO in the company. Or, for example, uh, if we completely change the financial situation of the company because of some uh, extraordinary event, they'd be not the same company anymore. So having this model, we could actually observe the, how uh, the company mutate, being either better fit to this, uh, environment or and then the company be growing, the company be developing, or 
actually those mutations could go in the wrong direction and the company be weaker than, than before. Uh, so because of the emotional intelligence of the company, uh, it's uh, actually a very new concept. Uh, so uh, I would like to, based on this graph, explain you what I mean here. It's not only just knowledge and emotion of the every employee in the company, but also extremely important uh, relation among them. The atmosphere, how they feel, uh, and all this uh, thing related to the HR, I could call uh, emotional intelligence of the company. And obviously, if this level of the emotion is higher, the company is more competitive. The same, actually, in the hard data. When the company is more profitable, has more equity, also it means that this IQ is higher, the company is more competitive. And actually using this model, uh, if we uh, agree for this paradigm, what doesn't mean that the company DNA mutate in this right direction, improve their fitness, that could be used, that could be uh, the good opportunity to just to search if the company is uh, developing properly. I think in most cases people believe that mm, the most important for the company is just a net profit, if the company is producing profit or not. It's almost right, although I believe it's even more important to answer if the company, after the mutation, is able to produce a more cash flow than before. And the cash flow is much more important than, uh, than the profit. And those guys who are uh, more related to the business, they understand what I mean, and I think that they could agree with me. Uh, but uh, we could say also that uh, right here it's very similar. I don't want to complicate. Could we go? And the company, which is actually a, a good example, the company also follows exactly the same uh, rules as a human. As I said before, that we uh, actually always following strategy not to lose instead of the uh, strategy to win. Other words, the fear of the pain is bigger than the pleasure of the gain. It's actually worked the same in the company. Once <clears throat> those guys, I don't know if you uh, remember, probably this is a very famous here in Britain. Uh, Nick Leeson actually, he didn't steal this money. He just played, he made a small losses at the beginning, only two million. But uh, he was so afraid to show these losses. He was uh, afraid to lose his job. 
So he was always playing. He did always the new bet, believing that finally he would win. So he was unable to accept his losses. The other example were exactly, exactly the same, which means that this one of the jinn in the company was actually wrong, and the company finally bankrupt all those, those banks. You go further. There are so many examples in the life environment which confirm that actually life world is acting exactly the same as the companies, which is uh, uh, some proof that I believe that uh, uh, my thinking about the company in the context of uh, theory of evolution is probably probably right. Uh, I believe very few of you know that uh, once birds are flying for the winter to North Africa, they first of all concentrate in the one big fleet, then they split among a couple of them, and every part of this fleet, using completely different direction, to reach exactly the same point in the North Africa. Why so? Because they would like to share the risk that at least some part of bird uh, during this long journey arrive to Africa and be able to be back next uh, year and then uh, have a uh, day new generation and send their genes. Come on, this is exactly the strategy we do in the business. There's a very common saying, don't put every X into one box, which means don't invest everything in one, in one project. It's exactly the same case. Completely irrational decision from logic standpoint of view is altruism. Altruism by a single people, by the companies, that makes sense. Why we are altruists? Actually, it makes sense. It's actually a very common process also among animals in the life environment. And finally, making a long story short, it helps us to replicate our, our genes. And why the companies are altruists? It's quite obvious, actually. This is a part of my being here. <laughs> we believe that, after all, in this way or the other one, other one it helps us in the future. Uh, also, uh, there is a very nice example with bees. When bee uh, decided to uh, f change the king for the new one, and they push away the old king to find a new house, Surprisingly, the most experienced bees 
we go with this old king. Because only the most experienced bees could help to create the new royal family. And it gives the biggest chance, the biggest and the highest chance to success for this process. Uh, I believe that all of you heard that so many mergers and acquisitions failed. Why so? Especially when this is the acquisition uh, overseas, for example. Believe me that uh, most cases, the reason is that once finally the transaction is done, the company which bought another one or decided to do the branch right, is sending not the best people, the most experienced, but the people that really they don't have any idea what to do with those guys. So they're sending experts. <laughs> It's not the case sometimes in the university? <laughs> Never. Never, okay. And then what happened? We send the managers who are not really the best one in our own environment to the completely different one, unknown, and we believe that they be succeed there once I not succeed here. No way. And be so smart. They send it the best of the best. Could we go further? And uh, also, simili uh, similarities are reflected to the whole industry, for the stability of the whole industry. Uh, actually, right now, there are so many programs. In, uh, also, actually, here in Oxford, which trying to find the similarities between uh, stability of ecosystem and stability of uh, financial systems. And actually, there are so many of them. If we look into the natural ecosystem, uh, here we have microorganisms at the very bottom, and here are predators. And actually, if the triangle is wider, at the fundament, and there are so many of them uh, at the lower level. The ecosystem is more stabilized. It's exactly the same uh, in business. So it's a pure correlation, very strong one, between the number of micro and small companies in uh, in any uh, industry, in any uh, business environment, and with the stability of this, of this system. But what does it mean being a micro? Exactly the same as uh, in life environment. There are a lot of small animals, small microorganisms, and a lot of them very soon I die, or their food for this higher level. Exactly the same in business. We have a lot of micro companies, and they accept the very high level of risk, and only because of that that they are accepting the high level of risk. 
so they could uh, survive. But on the other hand, once they accept a so high level of risk, a lot of them uh, be bankrupt. And then we have a small, medium size, a lower risk, and finally we have a global corporation, the biggest predator, which actually, in most cases, cannot accept almost any risk. We saying that all those big companies, big elephants, are so bureaucratic, it's nothing impossible to do with them, but at the very end, it helped them to survive. This is exactly the same case in the life environment. So that's be very much for today. And the rest uh, be in the book. So I advise you to buy it. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs>